0: Good to be together tonight. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of gathering. Um, we take it for granted. We know that that is a, a hard-fought reality in many places around the world. Where those gather in secret, they gather uh, under in disguise, underground, just to be with other Christians to talk about the name of Jesus and to be encouraged. Lord, thank you for the privilege to meet. Thank you that we have your word. You have given it to us. You've kept it. You've preserved it. You've given it to us that we can read it and that we can study it and we can preach it. God, may it sink into our hearts, we pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the Rwanda team who has made it safely and had a good week, it sounds like, and good pictures, worshiping this morning with brothers and sisters, uh, in that country, the same name, above all names, the name of Jesus, worshiping their, bless their work, bless their surgeries and their, uh, all the health care they provide and use them to spread the name of Jesus and the gospel to those they serve. Pray for those that are still going. Prepare them for the work that they will do um, as they arrive. I Continue to pray for my neighbor, for Mary Davis, the little girl with cancer. We pray for her as she continues her battle in Cincinnati. We ask that you would be with Morgan and Colin, her parents, and draw near to them and uh, just sustain them. What a difficult time. Would you be close? Would you be near? We pray for uh, this church, Westminster. We are meeting in. We pray for their their church that gathers in the morning and their leadership and their plans of future and what that might look like, even as we plan as Christ Redeemer of the future together. Would you direct? Would you give wisdom? Would you give discernment? Would you give guidance? Father, we need it. Um, We ask by faith, trusting that you will put us uh, where you want us. And we pray. God, give us now uh, ears to hear the hearts to be receptive to your word. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to begin by reading this from Acts 19. This took place in Ephesus on Paul's third missionary journey. You can listen before we get to Ephesians that we will begin today. This is Acts 19. and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that he touched, that had touched his skin, were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus
1: over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom
0: Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to fifty pieces of silver. Verse 23, 19. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. That is the way of Jesus.
1: And there is danger not only that this
0: trade of ours may become in disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed for her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. And when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of Ephesians! This is the word. Of the Lord. Today we start the book of Ephesians. Uh, I think this book uh, has a lot to say to us as a church, particularly in terms of our identity, sense of calling, understanding of hope. But the first question I want to ask is, as we start it, what is Ephesians? You've probably read it a number of times. It's a well-read book. Um, What is it? It's important to know, is it a doctrinal letter, a place that you go uh, to mine deep theological truths? You know, uh, chapter 1 tells us a couple times that we are chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. That we are predestined in Him. And so when you want to talk about that great topic of predestination, election, you go to Ephesians, you find the theological nuggets, you mine them, you ask questions. Is that what it's for? Certainly it's helpful. Or is it just, uh, as one author said, a compilation of timeless truths? Paul has strung together truth after truth after truth, and they're important to read um, things like, we're saved by grace alone, chapter 2, right? Or that the body should seek to be united in all they do. It's a truth for Christians throughout the ages, and we should adhere to those. Is it that? It is that. Uh, Or is it mainly practical purposes? How we treat one another, how we speak. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, right? We're working on memorizing that in our household. Or marriage, you know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Or talks about parenting or whatever else practical. Is that, is that what Ephesians primarily is? Or is it a place for good prayers? Some of the best prayers that Paul's written are found in Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read it in a minute. Uh, he says, Uh, He talks about our eyes and our heart being enlightened. And then in chapter 3, is probably Paul's most famous prayer, right? That we may know and comprehend the depth and the breadth and the width and the height of the love of Christ. Is that what it's for? You look for good prayers, you go to the New Testament, you find the letter of Ephesians, and that's what you go to, right? You go to to Paul's words. Well, yes, it is all of those things. It's doctrinally rich. um, It's timeless in truth. It's practically applicable uh, prayers uh, that the Lord has given by the Spirit, but it's so much, so much more. I have really enjoyed preparing and and reading um, about this book in new ways. I want to say to you that it is a drama. It's a drama. And I know in our family life, we try to avoid drama, right? Uh, It is a drama. What is a drama? A drama is a, a written work that tells a story through action and speech. It is meant to be acted out on a stage. It tells a story, actions, speech. There's characters. There's a, a script, right? If you're in theater, right? You know your script. And then that script is acted out on the stage. It's played out. It's lived out. And that's what Ephesians is. Ephesians, this is uh, by way of preview of our book study. It is the story of God's triumph in Christ over darkness, over the forces of evil, and then it's handed to the church this script that we might live out as the church conquers those places that have been given over to the dark forces, but are now won back to the triumph of God in Christ. Now, that may sound uh, weird to you, but I hope as we move through this book you'll see this drama, the drama of Ephesians. It's got a different quality to it, even from other Paul's other of Paul's letters. Um, I read uh, the passage in Acts uh, as a preview, but the text we're looking at today primarily is Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. Would you stand as I read this to us And this is going to, we're going to look at these two verses, but we're also going to use these two verses to give an overview of where we're going. So this is overview of the whole book um, from these two verses. This says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. You may be seated. Um. I've entitled this series, um, Cosmic Christ and Conquering Church. Cosmic Christ, Conquering Church. I hope you see those two realities um, as we move forward. First of all, Cosmic Christ. These first two verses tell us basic information. Paul, he's writing it. He's writing it to saints in Ephesus. It's an introduction but notice how Christ is central from the very beginning of the letter. This is not by mistake. Notice in the first couple of verses, three times, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, central. Two verses, three times, Paul locates. This is what it's going to be about. It's about Christ Jesus. Specifically, he is an apostle, Paul, of Christ Jesus, which means Paul has been specifically chosen, called, and sent out to the world by Christ Jesus. He is of Christ, which means he belongs to Christ. This is not a private individual telling you his opinion. It's not even a gifted teacher, but who's also fallible, who's going to give you his wise thoughts. No. As one commentator said this, when it says that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, it means that he is a teacher whose authority is precisely the authority of Jesus Christ himself. He is sent out belong to Christ, set out by Christ with the authority of Christ to deliver this letter to Ephesians and then to us. What kind? So we got, it's Christ. What kind of Christ is Paul talking about? Um, some uh, commentators argue that this letter is not from Paul uh, for various reasons. One of the reasons is because it's very similar to Colossians. It has the same uh, style, some of the same vocabulary. So why is Paul writing something uh, similar uh, is sort of the argument. Yet it is very different from Colossians. In Colossians, Paul's writing specifically to a deal with false teaching, a certain type of false teaching. So he has a specific aim in mind. And so Colossians, Paul targets it and goes after it. But when you read uh, Ephesians, you don't really know what is the specific thing he's targeting. It's much broader. It's much bigger. It's much more generic in some ways. It doesn't have to be a specific situation in mind. Paul is in Rome writing, and he is in house arrest. He has visited uh, Ephesians on his third missionary journey. He was there for almost three years. A few years have passed. He's in prison, and he's writing to them. And this is what he's going to say. Largely Gentile church. You you, you heard the verses from uh, Acts about the magic and the sorcery uh, and Artemis, the gods, and the silversmiths were mad because they made their living making these statutes. And now Paul's coming and he's disrupting it. And Paul's writing to them and he wants to explode their view of Christ. In Christ. But what kind of Christ? He is the cosmic, universal, triumphant Christ. He is the Lord over heaven and earth. He is bigger than the spiritual darkness of the magic, the idolatry. Paul wants us to reimagine. To reimagine beyond what we see. We look around. If you if you if you take inventory of your day, your drive to work, what you experience at work, your family dynamics, your health, you will be overwhelmed with the brokenness of it, won't you? If you just drove down the road and you you looked around, you would see brokenness everywhere. From from poverty, homelessness, to the things we display on billboards, to the restaurants we pass, to the litter on the streets, to to payday loan uh, dealerships, you would see brokenness, you'd go to work and you have a calling and you're going to do something productive and you're met with challenge after challenge after challenge and toil and difficulty, it doesn't quite work out, relationships and family, there's challenges, things to overcome and they're pressing in, they're right before us and Paul knows that he's in prison being detained And he's writing to this group of people, this church in Ephesus, this this metropolitan, multi ethnic place. And he's trying to explode, reimagine that there is something bigger than the broken realities that are right in their face. There's a bigger reality that this is a universal Christ, He is the sovereign Lord. Good example. Timothy Gombas, in his book on Ephesians, talks about 2 Kings. I read this. I said, wow, this is, this is good. Listen to this. He says, this is in 2 Kings 6, where the king of Aram is trying to capture Elijah. Elijah is the prophet who is staying along with his servant in the town of Dothan. Not like Alabama. Not, not like the capital of the wiregrass, but like, you know, Dothan. The king of Aram has sent a great army to Dothan, and he has surrounded and it has the city surrounded. 2 Kings 6. When Elijah's servants awakes the following morning, he sees the city surrounded by the Syrian army and understandably begins to panic, recognizing that this is a time of crisis. And he goes and he says to Elijah, Alas, Master, what shall we do? Elijah responds in a way that must have sounded utterly. Outrageous to his servant. Elijah says this. Do not be afraid. For there are more with us than there are with them. Gombus says, what is Elijah smoking so early in the morning? What happens next is the key for our grasping the nature of the apocalypse. Elijah then prays. Listen to this. It's going to apply to Ephesians. Elijah then prays. O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. The text does not say so. We may surmise that the servant's fears were erased because of this heavenly and more complete vision of reality. From a heavenly perspective, it is not the prophet and his servant who are surrounded by a threatening army, but the army of Aram are surrounded and at the mercy of God and his heavenly host. Did you hear that? He saw the armies, the bad guys, as my three-year-old says, were all around, and Elijah says, you don't see. God opened his eyes, and his eyes were opened, and the servant looked around, and surrounding the bad guys was the heavenly host of the armies of God surrounding them. Ephesians 1, I think this is the thesis of the the book. Verse 16, I'll read to 22.3. Listen to this. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, that is to see in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the glorious riches of the inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe according to the working of his great might. Hang in there with me. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body to the fullness of, of him who fills all in all. Amen? He's in prison. He's in chains. He's bound. The brokenness, the reality. You could look around. Paul, you're not victorious. Christ isn't triumphant. We're a small ragtag group, right? Who's, there's a riot begins in Ephesus. Read the rest of chapter 19. What's going to happen to this group of Christians? And Paul says, I pray that the, your eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may see in the heavenly, that we may get a peek behind the curtain and see the cosmic Lord. Ruling and reigning over all the earth. Paul is trying to say, open your eyes, church. He wants us to have a heavenly interpretation. The, the, the decisive event of the triumph of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ is taking place. Exalting Christ at the right hand in the heavenlies, cosmic Christ over all things, given all authority. Yet yeah, there are powers in Ephesus. There are sorcerers. There is magic. There is idolatry, and yet they do not compare to the cosmic power of the Lord. So Ephesians—it's a drama. this action of what Christ has done. We can read it as a systematic textbook, but that'd be like you know reading Shakespeare to learn you know, the social practices in England in the 16th century. You, you can do that. You can learn a few things, but that's not why you read Shakespeare, right? You read Ephesians to see. He wants us to pull back as we move into this book to see with us as a church to reimagine, to see with real eyes the power, right? You, you read the language of power and might. We'll see it more and more as we go forward. Paul wants to transform our imaginations. To reimagine a greater reality than what we experience. That is the power of Christ over darkness in this age and the one to come. The cosmic lordship of Christ. Does that give you hope and confidence? There's more going on than what we see is the point. That's the first part. Second part is... uh, The Cosmic Christ is a big picture, but there's also a conquering church. Um, Conquering church. This book is written to the saints who are in Ephesus. Um, Saints, who are they? That's the really important people that do great things in church history, so the church has has recognized them and they get uh, enshrined. Is Is that what saints are? No. No, it's not right. It's the people of God. It's us. It's you. It's me. Saints. It's the it's the holy ones. That's what it means. Holy ones. The people of God, the set apart ones. How are we set apart? Are we that great? Are we that holy? No. But we are where? We're situated in Christ. We just said that, right? We're in Christ. In Christ, we are set apart, positionally, holy and perfect in Him. And so this conquering Christ now has a vehicle by which He's going to regain ground to ground war, ground attack. He's going to do it through us, the church, His holy ones, the saints. we are in Him 30 times in this book. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in Christ. Where are we found? What's our identity? How are we move forward? I'm not enough. I don't have enough gifts. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm uncertain. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. She said over and over and over. He is the Lord. We are his people, the church, and we are situated, hidden, covered, found in Christ what he's called us to in him. So we're in Christ. What else? We're conquering church. We're conquering people. We have been given the script. Paul pulls back the curtain, tells us, and then he hands it to the church and says, this is how you live. If, If you listen to the language, he says it repeatedly. He talks about being given power, being strengthened given the mighty hand of God, right? Put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord. The language is this battle, this movement forward. When you say, well, that makes sense. If we're, we have a battle, but if Christ is already victorious, then why, why the battle? Because God in his wisdom is chosen. Yes, the decisive event has taken place, the death and resurrection of Christ. But he has decided to gain back, to cover the earth with his glory through the church. That's, that's his purpose. That's his plan. He did it. That's what he's going to do. And so, he's chosen us to be the vehicle to take back the earth. We are the saints. Now, the saints means it's plural. Remind you, it's not um, to this Christian or that Christian. It's not me and Jesus, and i got to go... Be spiritual. It's to us as an entity, we have to be on mission for Christ in the world. And this book explains how we live it out. We'll see that. In chapter 2, we're going to see um, that we've been saved by grace. We were dead, we motionless, nothing. And the grace of God came, and he made us alive. He made us alive. So now we have this ministry of good works to do to tell others and then we'll see that humanity has been broken and fragmented. It's hostile. There, there's discord. And yet in Christ, what's happening? Two become one. Jew and Gentile come together. And there's no distinction. We come together in Christ. This, this mystery revealed. The Jew and Gentile barriers broken down. We'll see language about relationships of a family. We'll see that we used to walk in darkness... Uh, engaging in the ways of darkness like they did in Ephesus, right? Engaging in the idolatry, in the dark practices. But now we walk in light in Christ. Marriage, family reclaimed in Christ. All product of our new identity transformed by the cosmic Christ. One commentator says Ephesians Bears all the marks of a catechism for new believers. It, it's just, if we read it, I hope we see as we read. It, it's telling us who we are and how to live. This is who you are. It's going to tell you who you are, and therefore you live this way. Therefore, you move forward. One final note uh, about the church. Um, you know, if you have this big vision, I think Ephesians is meant to have a big vision for us. Um, it can be daunting. Well, I don't, I'm not. Like, I don't have. I can't. What, what do I do? I'm just, I'm just bend. I don't have. I'm not. What's special about us? I don't have enough gifts enough time. I don't have. I don't know enough. Right. Whatever it is. Um. You know. we You think we got to be extraordinary or super, super Christians? Um. I love verse one. To the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I think that's in there for like us normal people. You know, it's faithful. We're, we're positionally in Christ. That's settled before the foundation of the world. We'll see that next week. Um, but conditionally, are we found faithful? Not extraordinary, but have it all together. Are we faithful? Are we living out this mission, seeking to be the people of God on mission? What do you think? What do you think about the vision? What's your predominant thought when you think about your life or the life of the world? What do you think about? If you only look at the news or the news feed, it's crushing, isn't it? It's crushing. I looked at, I shared this with you, but I looked at the, 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 in the 2020, to the, the list, you know, best, best events, highlights, and it goes the people who died, you know. And then the, it had uh, the number of suicides in 2022, um, you know, depression, darkness. It, it, it begins to close in on you. And Ephesus, uh, I read it to you in Acts 19 because it, it's a dark place. There's a there's a dark magic there, and Paul's been there. He was there three years, helped get a church planted, and he's in prison. and He's thinking about that church and those brothers and sisters. And How am I going to encourage these people? And it, this is a big. I mean, it's 250,000 people, which is a third largest city in the world at that point, major port. The the connect, it's in, in Turkey, modern day Turkey, Asia minor, connects the west and the east. This was the place that was happening. You got this small little group of misfits called Christians, and, and, and they're overwhelmed by this idolatrous industry of the great temple of Artemis. And what are you going to tell them? Hey, go be better people. You know, go, go, go pass out tracts door to door. Maybe they should. Paul's just going to explode that, You you can't see what you can't see. May your eyes, of your heart be opened and enlightened. And may you see the real reality that Christ is risen. He's in the heavenly places. We are in Christ with him in the heavenly place. We're already there in Christ positionally. We're seated at the right hand of the Father. He's pleased with Jesus. He's pleased with you. And yet we're still here, not yet fully there. Now give it a task. Well, we can't lose, even in the brokenness, even in the trauma, even in the difficulty. Live out the script. Here's the script, Ephesians. Treat one another. Speak in a way. Come together, bridge the gap of racism, bridge the gap, break down walls, right? Honor spouses, kids. Put on the armor. It's going to be a battle. Get prepared. Take the word. Put the truth on. Put the breastplate of righteousness. Know where you stand. Take the gospel. Will we live it out? Will we live it out? What world do you see? I'll be honest. I, I see the darkness mostly. I get I get overwhelmed, and that's why I'm not just, It's not just me doing it by myself. We're not just you doing it by yourself. We'd be crushed. But we're the people of God on mission. People who come together to be strong in the Lord. May the reality that he is greater. Elijah said, uh, there is more of us than there are of them. (laughs) There is more of him than there are of them. And he is the ruler over all forces and dominion and darkness. And we are safe and secure and positioned to conquer in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book. May we be alive to the reality. We are so numb. We can't feel so much. We've, we've, we've consumed so many YouTube videos today of the most silly things that when we hear something rich and real and vibrant, we have no feeling for it. We are like an addict that needs more and more and more to get the same stimulus. And you're telling us to wake up and see. May our eyes of our hearts see. And what we see is a, a ruling and reigning And victorious Christ, one that sends us out on mission into the world. Oh, God, help us. Help us to see as you see. Help us to know what you know. And help us together as the people of God to live out the script, to live out the calling to which you have called us. Pray it in your name. Amen.